stay with the coach. Man. Radio, your gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Roll for initiative. Welcome back, RFI Nation. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, issue number 24. That's 2-4 equals 6, and now we're only 6. 24. I am your host, Ian Vince, along with my two co-hosts, Nick and Jason. Jason, we're going to start off with you. Uh, I think you actually have a big announcement this week, so we're going to jump right into that real quick. Okay, yeah. Let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I'm pretty excited. I've been keeping this under wraps until Mm -hmm. it actually uh, was live. But we now, Roll for Initiative, has its own iPhone app yeah. in Ta-da! the App Store. <laughs> Tell us a little bit how, how we get this and what are we doing. So, yeah, so, okay, so obviously you're going to need to have an iPhone or an iPod Touch if you want to use this, but it'll work on, on both. And uh, what it is, is it's an app for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, we, we charge two ninety nine for it, and basically... The way we're looking at this is if you've been looking for a way to support the show a little bit, but you know, actually get something back, we didn't want to put up just a tip jar or something like that. Uh, but this would be a way to support the show. We only get a small cut of that, uh, but still, you know, there's that. But here's what here's what the app actually does. First of all, uh, it gives you access to the latest show and all of the back issues. Cool. So uh, if you've been Asking questions like, how do I listen to back issues? Do I have to download them all to my um, iPhone or my iPod beforehand with this app? No, you don't, uh, because you can just, with one touch, get access to any of the back issues, and the show notes are in all of them. Uh, You also have, yeah, right there, that's pretty cool. And you can download them locally. So if you are going to be on an airplane or a train or someplace that you don't have Internet access to get streaming shows, you can download those for later. Uh, also, there's a quick and easy contact page on here. So if you want to call the show, email us, uh, any of those things, there's a one button does it. So when you're using the app, you can actually press the button to call the show, and you'll get connected to the voicemail right away. Cool. Same with the email. Uh, awesome. Links to our website. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter with this. And uh, the Twitter stream at the moment is empty, so we'll have to start putting some things in there. I'll figure out how to link them all up. Uh, together, and then uh, the other thing is you get some bonus content with this as well. So right now we've got a little button in the top right that says extras, uh, and you can go there where you can download a uh, wallpaper for your iPhone. So you've got a, a with our wonderful artwork of the little roll for initiative guys. Um, we are going to be putting some more things in there soon, such as some PDF downloads. We're all working on a little uh, kind of handbook for the show, maybe some useful things to have uh, while you're playing the game. That'll go up later. If you buy the app now, you will get all the updates you know, as, as it goes on. Um, and then there's also the ability for us to put in some epi- episode-specific things. So... What we may do in the future, you know, if we if we get the time, I mean, I don't want to make promises yet, but <laughs> it does it does give us the ability if we wanted to push out some PDFs or something. So, say hypothetically that we had done a review of a, uh, a, a module that was available for free, um, or 
that they wanted a license to us, we could actually push that out through the app. So, you know, it's, it's got some really neat stuff. You can see the artwork full screen. You can listen to the shows. You can listen to the back shows. Um, and, you know, it does support the show when you do it. So we appreciate that as well, of course. Uh, Jason, question. Does it work on the iPad now, too? Uh, it only works on the iPad in the, the pixel-doubled mode. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I think... Basically, I mean, we, we, we built this with uh, the help of uh, Liberated Syndication, who actually hosts Wizard Media, is the actual company who actually hosts this show uh, for us. So we're kind of at their whim in terms of rolling out new features, but you know, hopefully an iPad version will be down the line. Not to mention an Android version uh, I would hope to see at some point as well, because I know that's getting very popular too. So Yeah, the, the Droid things are not really popped out there. I got so, mine, so we'll, so we'll, I we'll stick it on our website. Yeah, we'll put a link up for it. And uh, actually, we were talking about maybe throwing a contest out there for some people to win one of the apps. That's right. Uh, we're still discussing so that we, right now. We we have um, we do have a very small number of promo codes uh, that are available. So I think uh, we can give away two or three. I'm not sure, but I, I don't know what the contest should be. I'd like it to be something for whoever could actually get the word out for us. Uh, do you guys have ideas? Because I came mm. into this blank. I was thinking maybe an interactive one using one of the voicemails, doing giving us some type of, I don't know, maybe. All right, well, we'll figure out yeah. a contest. So, uh, uh, you know what? If anybody's listening and they've got an idea for a contest, that could be part of it. The first person to come up with the idea for the contest automatically <laughs> wins, and then the other two have to win at that. Well, it has to be a good idea, not just I want to do a contest involving balloons no, or no, something. It's got to be the first person to come up with the person who comes up with the idea we use. Yeah, that's got to be creative and well, doesn't like draw blood. So the, the only well. requisite I would have for it would be that the contest somehow helps get the word out. So something right. that something that encourages people to tell their friends to listen to the show and download the show and even buy the podcast app if they want. Obviously, you can listen to the show for free. You will always be able to listen to the show for free. This is just a way to get a little bit of extra stuff, kind of show off you know, on your iPhone that you've got us there, and to support the show. And also the show that we're not a bunch of Luddites either. <laughs> right. Oh, nice. yeah. So, uh, well, you know what? I'll save that for later in the show because I know we're going to talk about the Skype game in a bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> towards the end. All right, so well, that's big congratulations to us! Yay, us and uh, Ray us, Ray us, yes, Ray us. Anyway, hooray, <laughs> hurrah, huzzah, and that's us. Yeah, okay. that's us. Okay. So we're we're <laughs> counting down to Gen Con. One uh, about a little over a week now, and Jason and I'll be at Gen Con, playing it up, enjoying. Uh, the uh, the countdown that you put on the homepage of the RFI podcast has got me just. Uh, I'm, I'm jonesing now, just watching. <laughs> I know. Countdown go. I know. It's it's like it was like ah uh, six weeks, seven weeks. Okay, five weeks, two weeks, one week. Yay! You know, it's kind of like that. I've got my T-shirts ordered. Uh, we're getting the flyers. We're gonna oh, be ready yeah. to go. So uh, bring yeah. all the snacks and drinks you can. Did you put? Yeah, a link we're bringing on? little flyers that are shaped yes. to look like an iPhone with the app with the stuff on there. So hopefully, if somebody, if you see some things that look like little paper iPhones laying around, grab one because that's a flyer for the show. Cool. Yes, and we would appreciate it if you pass them out too. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're bringing two thousand flyers, which isn't a lot, but wow. considering we're just handing them out by hand, if anybody wants to help, uh, let us know. 
And if you want to get your T-shirt, Jason, did you put that link up on the website? Because some people were asking about it on Dragon's Foot. Yes, it's up on the website now, uh, easier to find. And uh, there's still time to get T-shirts. They do um, expedited shipping. So RFI pack, blah, blah, blah. RFIpodcast.com is the website. RFIstaff at gmail.com is our email. And if you want to call us by phone, the number's right there on the bottom. Give us a call. And uh, let's head over to Nick, who has... Who's going to be heading up the Pimping for Stars this week? I know it's not a lot of things we like to do, but this is a great comment, so we had to read it. Yeah, this is a really fun comment. Uh, this was off the iTunes uh, uh, website here, and it's from Logix, spelled L A W J I C K. And he gave us five stars, and he said, Nifty. <laughs> Lift, yeah, Nifty. Peachy Keen. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But uh, listen to a bunch of the podcast with my fiance on our cross country trip. Got to the other side, other side of what? I have no idea. <laughs> and she started hunting for a first edition player's guide for herself. These guys, these guys do a great job. So thank you, Logic. That's oh yes, definitely. That's incredible. Thank you very much. Brilliant. That's great. That's excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, articles, Jason, what do we got? Okay, so there's a new plus two to save up, um, as there is every week from Todd Hughes, who's really good about getting this up. Uh, this yep. week it's called Death Becomes Them, and it's a topic that's pretty close to my heart. It's all about character death. You know, essentially, should they be allowed to die? You know, really <laughs> putting some putting some danger back into the game, which is a uh, old-school grognard I am all four. So, yeah, really, really well written. Uh, great article that's up there this week. Didn't we do an episode on death? Uh, if we didn't, we should. Mm. Um, but also, just a few other things that are up there worth uh, taking a look at. There's uh, the list that uh, Nick put up last week of yep. the animals that are affected by Ring of Animal Friendship. And then, uh, Vince, I think you've put up some stuff about, uh, speaking of not being Luddites, about a cool iPhone app called Spellbook. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, Sword and Wizardry uh, spellbook it's for. Yeah, so that's pretty neat. Yeah. It's uh, did we did we stop with the Gen Con? Because there's one more thing I was going to say about it if we've already passed it. No, go ahead. So uh, the other thing about Gen Con is, oh, it slipped my mind. <laughs> I don't no. know what it was. Before <laughs> we leave the intro, come back to me. I'll remember. <laughs> Keep going. <Okay. laughs> there's There's something about Gen Con. Um, no idea what it is, but oh, you know what? Guess Here's what? what it is. This oh. is all it is. Uh, it was completely a personal note on Gen Con. I was going with the whole gaming group. There was about yeah. five of us that went last year. You said that, right? yeah. Everybody has backed out. Ooh. I'm the only oh. one. I'm the only one from my gaming group going. Uh, so, whoever's mm. listening to this podcast, uh, hit me up. Let's hang out at Gen Con because. I need some people to hang with. So, I mean, you'll be there, Vince, so that's yeah. already a big plus. But anybody who wants to just, like, meet up and go hit the wargaming tables or, you know, hit the true dungeon or... Even play a know, game with us. Play a game with us, play a pickup game, let me know because I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> I want to go. Well, let's well, go. We'll pick you up on the way. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't go, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nick is not included in this deal. No. <laughs> well, I can't go anyway. I got class. I got a class this summer, so I can't miss it. Void in Ohio. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, Nick, I, right. I'm going through Ohio. I could swing by and pick you up. Hmm. <laughs> Let me get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to end the intro, and we're going to head into Sage Advice. Sage Advice. All right, sage advice. Uh, actually, we have a bunch of stuff to read tonight, and I actually have one voicemail that was called in, and I'm going to head to that first because I always think the voicemails, that's an extra step for somebody to do a voicemail, so I'm going to play that first as a reward. So sit back, guys, relax, and get ready for this. Okay. Hi, this is Julie Hoverson. I'm a old-school gamer, been around forever, and I just discovered your show. Um, I've only just scratched the surface of it, but... <laughs> You're giving me worse flashbacks than Schoolhouse Rock. Um, <laughs> those old days. Oh, it's been so long since I've played any D&D. But anyway, I wanted to call in and say hi and say uh, I, I do have legit cred in the, in the old gaming industry. I even have a trap in one of Grimtooth's traps. Um, so, <laughs> oh, that dates me so bad. <laughs> But um, I wanted to say you've been entertaining me, and uh, I hope at some point to give you a ring and talk shop or something. Have a good day. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like I mean, her. Grim traps. Grim yeah. traps. That is about the most cred you can have. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that pretty much puts you down as a proper player killing DM. Uh, I like you. <laughs> yeah, Julie will be coming onto the show to talk to us about her experiences, and right after around Gen Con, around August sometime. That'll uh, be nifty. Yeah, I'll talk to her about that and how she got in there and her experiences, and she might sit with us during the show. Who knows if she has some time? So we need to make that show the traps episode. Yes, that's what we'll do. Because yeah. I've been thinking about this for a while. We really need to do an episode on traps. And I want. I like how how she was talking about. Schoolhouse, yeah, 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 that had me laugh too. I'm just a bill, yeah, I'm only a bill. <laughs> Great girl, I, I had a good talk with her over Skype. Uh, she actually does uh, audio dramas. Uh, 19 really? Nocturne Boulevard, an award-winning anthology series, audio drama. It talks. Some of the episodes do have uh, some involvement with uh, some stories about gamers, but not all of them. But really good series. Does a good job. Oh. 19 Nocturne Video Net is her website. If you guys cool. want to drop over there and uh, just give her, her a listen and give her some feedback because, you know, she put some hard work into those audio dramas. They take a lot of time. Absolutely. That's Jason and I. Well, what Jason was the uh, URL again? One uh, more time. 19 Okay. Got it. Okay. And we also had uh, an email come in from uh, Samwise7Tim. Uh, it actually just goes by Samwise normally. He uh, actually had followed me from another podcast that I did in the past called Darker Days, and he he said he found this one recently, and he's like, oh, cool, and he's actually been doing a lot of videos on YouTube uh, mm -hmm. describing the player's handbook, the DM guide, and the monster manual, just his thoughts on it and how he feels about it, how he uses it, his experiences, so you get to see what he has to say. Uh, YouTube.com slash user slash Samwise7RPG. He calls himself an old-school convert or convert. All right, so we will put that link up in the show notes as well. It's on the site. You betcha. It's on the yeah, site. Okay, good. Good. And we have a bunch of other letters. Uh, Jason, you want to take the first one? 
Okay, so uh, the first one is from Robert, who just writes in and says, Hey guys, just listening to issue 22. Have to say that I still like the new actual play format. It's pretty entertaining. I definitely wouldn't want to see that go away, but mixing it up once in a while with the original might be cool too. So, we, yeah, we got okay. a lot of feedback about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're catching our groove on this, yeah. uh, learning how to keep it punchy and moving along without uh, just describing the monster right at the beginning. And I uh, would like to hear some feedback, actually, from anybody who, since the last issue, uh, I've started putting in chapter markers so you can actually yes. jump ahead to the reveal. So if anybody has any opinions on that, let me know if, if that was helpful to you. And cool. uh, thank you, Robert. Definitely. Sounds like sounds like we're getting like a lot of the kinks out of it. Just like some people like I myself gotta remember about, you know, sleep spells and such <laughs> and how they work. Yes, Nick, you do. <laughs> yeah, I got a little feedback on that one. Say, hey, it only works yeah. on four, four hit dice or less. I'm like, don't I forgot I you know what? <laughs> that's that's that we all have these DM moments. Every one of us has done this at least once in the show. Every one of our listeners has done that, and if they say they haven't, then they are lying. So this is just showing you how real we are. Yeah, we're so real right. we forget stuff. All right, and we have another letter coming in, and we're going to throw that one to Nick. Yes, uh, Juan Pablo. He writes in and says, "Hey guys." I confess I have no love for demi-human level limits back in my second edition days, and I completely agree with DM Vince on waiving those restrictions. Balance, he puts that in (laughs) quotes, on a long term is not acceptable to me. Let's face it, most campaigns take quite a long time to advance from the lower levels to ninth level, where most level limits begin to kick in, if I remember correctly. As a DM, I prefer a leveled playground for all my players, even more so when there is no plausible explanation in the rules to stop demi-humans from advancing beyond certain levels, or picking certain classes for that matter. Nick's comment on giving some kind of bonus to humans, depending on their heritage slash background, hits the bullseye. So, thanks Juan Pablo. He's got some pretty good ideas there as far as... uh, you know, I have to agree with him to a certain degree. I don't know yeah, about the certain classes issue, but, you know, level limits I'm kind of like looking at now is like, you know. Were there level limits in second edition? No. I don't know. I don't remember second well, edition. Well, it's the same sort of approach. And, you know, thank you, Juan. I think it's really interesting. And, and, and the points that you're making is, you know, that go along with what uh, you guys, you know, Nick and Vince are saying. It is really a shame that you're all completely wrong. Oh! <laughs> it, it's, it's, too, it's too bad because it, it, it kind of makes sense. It would be great if you were in any way accurate or correct, but unfortunately, that's not the way it is. Okay, well, I guess so. if you were thinking about when we were talking <laughs> last time about the, how there was another person, I forget their name, but they talked about, they gave some pretty good logic on why there is some there is level limits, because that would imbalance the whole world towards all Cyril. the other demi-humans and not humans. Yeah, Cyril said they, that one, I believe. Well, you know yeah. what else? It, 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 it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense that a magic user can never use a uh, can never wear metal armor but he can carry a dagger nor does it make a lot of sense that a cleric can't use edged weapons but their mace can draw blood but you know sometimes that's the game yep and that's why people do house rules so there you go Anyway, yeah, and our last uh, comment comes in from Bodani from the uh, dragonsfoot.org forums he points out and I added this word to it maybe having the played version of creature feature 
every other week with a solid discussion of the previous week's encounter could work as well. This is way is less pressure for all. On the off week, you guys can discuss tactics available to the creature, etc. Ooh, I like yeah. it. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool, cool idea. That is a very good idea. We'll have to think about that one. Ooh, I have one more. Go ahead. Yeah, I have one more uh, comment. Unless we wanted to talk about that a little more. Uh, no, no, no. Cool. I just think he's right. It's a good idea. We might give that a shot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I got this uh, just a couple of days ago. It's from Christopher Letzelter. Uh, he was commenting on the Making Dragons Dragon article I did. And, oh, yeah. he's, and he said, I'm with DM Nick on this one. <laughs> in fact, I'm in the middle of developing a Dragon's Lair adventure in, my aband- in an abandoned mine. And have have referenced the Dragon Magazine article. Besides beefing up the Dragon's combat ability, I was inspired by Reagan Gygax's ideas <coughs> to use 10 and 12-sided hit dice for larger, stronger, older creatures. Right. Yeah. So I'm toying with the idea of an adult green dragon having more hit points per die. This would also adjust its breath weapon damage upward and make it more formidable. And he said another trick to use is to give the dragons some minions, whether they're charmed, cowed into servitude, or admirers of the beast's power. They could serve as frontline troops, which allowed the dragon more tactical opportunities. Reptilian minions such as troglodytes, lizardmen, and fire newts may be more disposed to allying with the dragon than orcs or goblins. Uh, and um, let's see what else they say. Other large reptiles such as giant lizards, wyverns, basilisks, and dracolisks are natural fits for the service. So, and he uh, goes on a little bit more uh, on that. So, yeah, it's a really good uh, suggestions. So, very thank good. you very so, much. Okay, cool. And we're going to head over into uh, the table matters right now. Typical. Of all the evil creatures in the world, I'd like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I've spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. All right, now to bring us into table manners this week, and we'll be talking uh, a little bit about DM advice. Uh, a lot of people like this type of idea of uh, role playing and bringing your taverns to life, one of the most overlooked things in games. So, uh, we'll Ironically start. enough, considering that it's one of the most common places mm-hmm. for people to start out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Jason, did you have no, something to say? Uh, about... it's, it's interesting on this, though. Um, oh, oh, no, yeah, the other thing I was just going to, before, the, on, the, on the last segment before we went into the table manners, I don't know if you guys, do you guys watch the IT crowd? No. Have you seen the show? Okay. Well, I've heard you... of it. Yeah. I've heard of it. All right. You've got to get it. Find a way to get it. This isn't the forum for discussing how one goes about getting a Channel 4 show from England to watch here in the United States, but I'm sure our listeners are geeky enough to know how to do that um, and probably listen, watch the IT crowd this season, best season yet. And uh, there was a big thing on the first, I think it was the first episode, where Moss, Roy and Moss, the two main guys, are now playing Dungeons & Dragons. So, All right. Uh, just one of the best lines ever when, when Roy's boss comes in and she finds out that he's doing this. He, he explains that he's going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons, explains what it is, and she says, okay, Dungeons. So is that come some kind of a sex thing? And his answer is, far from it, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> hard, 
Uh, it's, it's excellent. Graham Linen is the, the guy who writes the show. He also wrote two of my uh, favorite shows of all time, Father Ted and Black Books. And it turns out that he's a big geek, played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons back in the day himself. So you've got to check the show out. It's, it's awesome. That's all I wanted to say cool. about it. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Back uh, to the taverns. Yes, taverns. So how can we make the over- most overlooked place, a tavern, fun again? Well, oh. so right off the bat, it's kind of uh, – I, I went looking for anything that had been written about this, and you're right. It's mm. such a thin amount of material that's out there. There's one article – in Dragon Magazine, at least that I could find in the index, and it's all the way back in Dragon number 29, which is one of the only issues I don't have a copy of. So I don't know wow, what they had to say. Wow. I don't know what they had to say. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> Judges Guild was going to publish a book called Inns and Taverns that was a handy, uh, you know, uh, what do you call those things? Assistance for Supplement. creating taverns? Uh, Supplement. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was never published. It never made it into print. So oh. I don't know. If anybody knows any old Judges Guild folks, find out if there's a manuscript somewhere. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. I couldn't find anything from Rolaids. And uh, even the Dragon's Foot forums didn't have a lot of people talking about it. So I thought the best thing to do is maybe to start by looking a little bit at the actual historical role of taverns. Because they weren't the same as what we think of as a tavern today. Okay. Now... Everybody's play, probably playing their campaigns in slightly different settings. You know, there's no uh, historical age in our world that D and D is based off of specifically. No, but um, you know, and I've seen people set them set D and D campaigns in you know 19th century what would today be called like a steampunk kind of setting even. But most people go for the sort of uh, Middle Ages sort of type of setting. I mean, I've seen people go as far back as, you know, ancient Greece and that kind of stuff, and it works for all of them. But it's usually, you know, classical fantasy. Yeah, a quasi-medieval society kind of thing. Quasi-medieval? Exactly, exactly. Uh, Yeah, the Arthurian era. Arthurian era. I can't pronounce it. Arthurian's perfect. Thank you. Any of that. So, I... As it so happens, I just got done reading an excellent book, which I'd recommend to anybody, called The Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, by, it's by Ian Mortimer. Uh, he's a great historian who uh, – it's a completely straight-up historical book on things. What he, his one little innovation is it's all – he writes in the present tense, so you can really kind of get the feeling for what it's like to go somewhere. So it really feels like a travel guide, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it really good for gamers because it, it's, it's written in a sense that you can really take a lot of the stuff that he's writing about and think about how you'd put it into your games. So when he talks about inns and taverns, I didn't really realize this, but they weren't the sort of places where you would go in necessarily and just sidle up to the bar and order a drink and and they're trying to do a business. They were born out of necessity as much as anything. A lot of times this is just the only place that you could stop to get something to eat. Hmm. If you're trying to go into an inn, you didn't go up to a front desk. I mean, I see this all the time when people built... Me too. I've done this. I can find maps that I did uh, way, 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 way back where you, know, you draw the inn or the tavern and you draw it like a modern hotel almost. You know, there's a front desk and you go up to the front desk and you check in and you take your bags upstairs or whatever. But uh, these inns, a lot of times they had started out as just somebody's house and sort of gradually become 
a place of lodging. Or a tavern started out simply as, again, somebody's house or a brewer who, since a lot of the uh, artisans of the time would live and work in the same building, most people didn't actually live somewhere and go to work. It was all right there. So the brewer would just start selling the beer and the mead and the ale and whatever else. And right. if you go into these places, you're not going to expect to be treated like a customer. A lot of times you're going to have to convince them even to serve you in the first place or that you're worthy of being put up. I mean, when I was looking at this, apparently there used to be, a lo- there used to be laws on the book in medieval England that would actually uh, require innkeepers to offer every visitor a bed. And the very fact that there had to be those laws kind of indicates that most of the time they didn't want to give people a bed unless they felt like it. So right off the bat, I mean, if you're starting to populate your tavern or your inn, think about, before anything else, who owns it? What kind of person is the proprietor? And uh, just before you even go and try to talk to the mysterious stranger in the corner, how are you going to get the proprietor to treat you with any respect? You bring up a really good point on when you're saying that inns and taverns in, in medieval Europe, if you even look beyond England, in medieval Europe in general, were came up out of necessity, and uh, me being going, getting being a history major and learning about, and my focus is on medieval Europe. Uh, one <laughs> so of the you know things, way more than this one book that I just read. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, uh, just to kind of give an idea of why the necessity was there, and I, I'm not saying I'm a like I'm a total expert, just from what I've learned from other people. Oh, you who so are have to be smarter than me now. You gotta outsmart me. <laughs> well. One of the Outer. one of the places, <laughs> or I should say, when you look at the the routes uh-huh. to, for example, to to monasteries and to uh, pilgrims pilgrimage sites oh. along the way, people needed places to stay, needed to eat. So many of these inns and taverns were, if not built, somebody along the route on a pilgrimage route had was in the right place had the right type of facility for mm-hmm. example to necessitate necessitate to make a tavern or an inn and it kind of grew out of that now some of them were built along the way or at the or at the uh, pilgrimage site or what have you mm-hmm. so yeah when you're talking about necessity that's this is a really good example when you when they had in the back in the medieval period all these pilgrimage sites all through Europe, especially through like Spain and Italy and France, where you pilgrims know, that, would take a long journey. They needed a place to sleep. They needed to get some food and drink, and that's how a lot of these places came up. That's another really good point to bring up is the whole issue of pilgrimages because uh, travelers. Travel was not as uncommon in the Middle Ages as people sort of think of it now. They think everybody just stayed in their home and they never went more than 10 miles from home or something. But uh, I I have read up a little bit on these things, and it seems like pilgrimages were almost almost fun. I mean, I don't mean people would pack up the kids and go to Disneyland sort of thing, but in in a world where religion was the very core of everything that people did the uh, the pilgrimage to go and see these religious these holy relics it was a, a sacred quest that they'd be going on to do it but at the same time it was kind of like the saints were like their their celebrities they heard the stories about them they knew that uh, and they would be going to these places because they wanted to see this relic of the saint 
uh, it wouldn't necessarily be a pilgrimage to, you know, to try to ask for something so much as just the opportunity to see it. So in your campaign, pilgrimages would make a lot of sense. If you have heroes of the time, it doesn't have to be around the uh, pantheons and the deities necessarily. It could just be pilgrims who are going to see the great, uh, you know, the, the place where somebody slew a dragon once and they want to see the teeth of the dragon that were left behind. So the different kind of taverns that would crop up along different pilgrimage routes would have very distinct flavors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. You hit so on maybe very good points there. You can probably compare them to, like, themed rest stops of our time right now. That's a you really could. good way to look at it. You can almost, um, yeah, you can almost put it that way. The giant yeah. ball of mud, the twine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ball of twine. Oh, I, I love those things. I am a sucker for them. So, yeah, so there too. you go. So right off the bat, we're, we're hitting on the first thing you can do if you want to uh, really make your tavern come to life is think about why is it there? Not mm-hmm. just you walk into a bar, but are you along some pilgrimage route? Are you near the site of some historic event? Make it a theme. Make it a theme yeah. uh, restaurant, <laughs> so to speak. Make it better. Well, you know, it, when you're talking <laughs> about like themes, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, place the uh, the inns or taverns in unusual locations. Maybe the tavern is inside a cave, for example. That was one of the things I was thinking of. You know, that's nice. I like it. Or um, one of the ones I came up for when I did my salt marsh campaign not too long ago is one of the ends was on a floating dock. Oh, that'd be cool, yeah. I was and, just thinking uh, when you said that, that I, I was thinking about the those underwater hotels. You know, maybe mm-hmm. s- I, I, I can't, I'm, I don't play magic users enough to think off the top of my head what type of high-level magic user spells would be necessary to build a proper underwater <clears> tavern, <throat> but I'd like to go to one of those. I, I did a tavern yeah. in one of my games when it was the, the the first part of the tavern was above on a dock like yours was sort of Nick, but uh-huh. you took this elevator down and it went underneath to like this whole other like tavern part of it, and it was a magic users covered the bubble around the tavern oh. where you could look up and see the water, and there was fish That's floating cool. around, and you could take a ship to someplace else underwater. So it was kind of cool how I did that. That's you excellent. know, you were talking about. Uh, Jason about a book of inns and mm-hmm. taverns. I yeah. have one. What do you have? I, it is by um, Dark Furies Publishing. Oh, okay. I got this a few years back. It's for that system that will not be named. But <laughs> I could easily adapt it. Um, okay. I don't know if it's still out. I don't know if you could still get it, but it's called uh, it's part of their Masterwork Maps series, and it's called Inns and Taverns. And it has like over Gosh, it has over 70 floor plans in here of different types of taverns and inns. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, one of them is, it's called the uh, the Four Oaks. And it's actually mm-hmm. a, an inn that's made of a tree. Oh, that's cool. And it's like almost exclusive. And it has, here's another thing that you can go with. Maybe you have an inn or a tavern that has that caters like exclusive clientele, like in this case the Four Oaks. It almost exclusively caters to elves and half elves. That makes so, sense. Mm. Or there's another one. It's called the the Blue Flame Cafe, and they their clientele they attract is sages and wizards and 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 what have you. 
All Actually, right. there you go. A good thing if you want to model uh, – it doesn't always have to be a tavern that you do model these meeting places on. Uh, you might have it be the place where you buy ale and that type of thing. But take a look at uh, uh, Middle Eastern coffee shops You know, because mm-hmm. in the Middle East, the coffee shop is the hub of all this intellectual activity. And you'll get these guys standing around you know, for hours with a cup of coffee that <clears> will <throat> burn through your – bottom of your cup you know just just ruminating on things when you said sages i instantly yeah. imagined that sort of a baghdad street scene or you can go yeah to, yeah you can go to starbucks and look at all the people sitting there drinking coffee all day on their laptops yeah there That's you go true. <laughs> kind of the, I, I, but, i'd yeah. love to see some wizard some wizard parody of uh them on their laptops definitely yes. be sitting around with their with their scroll books they're, illuminated right. their and, crystal balls and <laughs> <laughs> drinking their coffee yeah all day long scrolling through all right all right guys and they're, and they're like fighting to get a plug in on the side or something oh wow <laughs> all right moving along to our second point now you got the people in the tavern you set up yeah. what the taverns like how do we keep them in there to interact and play things out other than i go over and ask the darkest mysterious figure in the corner what i need to know and then we leave <laughs> Well, um, I'm going to go back to fiction again for this one, and uh, I think what's one of the most famous taverns in all of fantasy fiction, the Vulgar Unicorn. So um, from the from the Thieves' World series that uh, I think Jeff Grubb talked about it as well. Didn't he say that he wrote uh, at least a couple of Thieves' World stories? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, ho- I hope I'm right about that, but... Um, if you go back and you pick up the Thieves' World books, so many stories are based around the vulgar unicorn. And it's a, a great place to just, just to get storylines and ideas. Uh, there's actually even, as long as we're talking about source books, there is a book from Green Ronin. Uh, it's specifically for the Thieves' World game, not for the uh, AD&D world, but that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's $2, first of all. <laughs> hey, uh, there you go. Yeah, and it's 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 a uh, it's basically it's an adventure module. It's got a whole whole module set just around that particular tavern, but it also has a detailed map and a room description of the Vulgar Unicorn, and it can give you some ideas for kind of storylines where they might start. Cool. So, um, what you want to do then is if essentially have a adventure that you've sort of sketched out an outline form don't actually you know write out a whole adventure for this but just have some kind of an idea of a storyline that is not going to Im- involve the player characters necessarily but that's going to drive the action that's going on in the tavern and that can be tangential to where you're actually trying to get them so it doesn't just feel like a railroaded session Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, if the only thing you have going on is you see the mysterious figure in the corner with the hood over his head and the bartender who looks at you and says, I find out who are you today, you know, that's, he, it's silly. C-3PO but if, if you actually see things going on, you know, there's a fight at the bar. There's some. There's a woman who's just slapped a man and walked out. Uh, there's a, a couple of wrestlers who are placing bets in the corner. And any of these kind of storylines... You know, that's really good. What, one of the things I do to get my players involved, and probably because I'm, I'm just kind of mean, I get them in the trouble <laughs> into the inner tavern. I kind of like think of some of these places like the Moss Eisley Cantina. No, oh, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> you watch yourself. Oh, yeah. Cut off his well, arm. one of the things, and sometimes 
you just have them walk into a place and they'll cause trouble all on their own. Oh yeah. I had again in that salt marsh campaign the 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 tavern I told you was on the floating dock. Mm-hmm. Well, this is like the seediest place in all salt marsh where the old crusty sailors and cutthroat thieves go and all this. Mm-hmm. And um one of the one of the players uh he was playing a uh, magic user in his background he was he was a sailor and he thought he can blend in and all that and <laughs> it, it, he was literally the fish out of water here and he i rack it up to inexperience but i, I just let him go with it i'm like you know fine you know the hole you dig yourself into that's your problem and he did like something totally bizarre we still we still call him on it once at a time. We make we crack jokes about it. Is that um, he bought himself a beer and he's sitting down. He's talking with some guy and, and I forget how he got to the to this point. But he goes here. Uh, let me give you a drink. And he took a sip of his own beer and handed it to the guy. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, you did what? He goes, yeah, here. And I'm like. And that's where the fight started. And what yeah, even, they, they I, I can't even imagine what would lead him to describe such an action. Yeah, oh, no, but I love it, it. Yeah, and yeah, he basically got himself pummeled. So, <laughs> uh, but that yeah, one of the things I do is just like sometimes you just let them go. They'll find trouble on their own in that oh, place, yeah. or oh, yeah. or I'll just sow the seeds of discontent. Right in there. <laughs> what I normally like doing is uh, I sometimes like to draw out the ends on a little battle map. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. I like to position oh, yeah. people certain places, and I love love to do like little thieves, like halflings pickpocketing my characters. Oh sure. Or I love the I love the you glance across the room and you see this salty eyed half orc giving you a, an eye look, and my players cannot resist that. That's an automatic uh-huh. get up and go over and excuse me, what are you doing? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Have them find trouble. <laughs> yeah, or like you see someone peering in the window and as soon as you look he dodges away. It's like they always have to go look, so <laughs> those are the type oh, of things I like right. doing. Or having fights upstairs in the uh the rooms inside the tavern. They always, they never mm-hmm. res- can resist that too. Oh, yeah, sure. you know, just a few a, a, a few viewings of any episode of Deadwood and you'll have enough <laughs> ideas for tavern encounters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> when you mentioned fight upstairs, absolutely. There was a th- there was a good show that was on TV, oh, probably about early '80s, and it involved sort of a Dungeons and Dragons plot. I think it was called Wizards and Sorcery or something. Wizards uh-huh. and Warriors, yes. Yeah, I remember that. And it ha- they had a lot of stuff that happened inside taverns and how people were interacting. And that was a great show. Too bad it only lasted like four episodes. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> and what was that one on Comedy Central they had for a while? Um, Something with the flaming sword. Oh... They you lost me. I have right. no idea. Yeah, it was a medieval type thing, and he had this. He was a prophecy, and he had. He was a you know whatever guardian of some. And sort. I'm assuming it was a comedy. It was a comedy based in like the medieval times. It was really funny. It only lasted like six episodes, though. Mm. <laughs> if you figure out what it was, let's get that in the show notes because I I want to check it out too. Yeah, oh, I'll right. see if I could find if Dark Fury's publishing is still around. That they still have this source book, this Inns and Taverns uh, thing, and it has beautiful maps in here. Yeah, really definitely. good layouts. 
All right. Definitely so- try to find that. Also, um, just last couple of things on source material you might want to do. Um, there's also a Discworld game. So uh, there's some great stuff around their famous tavern, the Broken Drum, which in later ah, yeah. uh, books became the Mended Drum. And uh, <laughs> just if you're looking for good plots to place around a tavern, all you need to do is watch any of the hundreds of amazing you know, noir films that came out of Hollywood back in the, back in the old days of uh, Bogart and Cagney. Or... Yep. Like we said, you know, just look for some good episodes of Deadwood or something. Just, just d- feel free to grab from storylines that have nothing to do with the period because it'll surprise your players because they weren't expecting that type of a thing anyway. Absolutely. And then our last topic, uh, what about props and music? Do you guys use any of that? Uh, I do bring music into the games, um, and and especially around a tavern, it's kind of good to have a little bit of an ambient sound of glasses clinking and that kind of stuff when I can remember to do that sort of thing. Uh Props, not so much. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to, like, maybe, like, when they order an ale, I'll give them, like, a a medieval mug or something just to have in front of them as a representation of an ale. Does you make sure that the mug has the letters L-A-R-P on the side? God. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Let's not yes. go there. Ah, the name of the show is Crod Mandoon and the Flaming Sword of Fire. Ah, that's it, yes. <laughs> it's a good name, if nothing else. Very, very, very funny, and I, my favorite character was the uh, magic user. He was a black guy, and he kept, every time Crod wanted, wanted to do something, he kept saying, are you trying to say that I'm your slave? <laughs> like, he'd say things Ooh. like that. Wow. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, like just kind of silly things they had, and they had like a, like a gay thief and stuff like that. It was really funny. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so you wow. just got to check it out. It only lasted a couple episodes, unfortunately, because it was too. What is it? Lowbrow, highbrow? I don't know. <laughs> didn't get the ratings. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, just didn't get I, the ratings. I, I've seen I, I comedy. Will... I've seen Comedy Central. There's no such thing as too lowbrow. Yeah. Mm. You know, I've I've used music, and in, in fact. Um, I uh, somewhere on YouTube I found somebody put all the different bits of music from all the Baldur's Gates uh, out there, and I have them in my playlist. And if I want to play, you know, music from an inn or something, I just go right to that automatically. So, any closing thoughts, guys, on bringing your tavern to life tonight? We said it all. We said everything that could ever be said about it. No more needs to be said. Don't bother writing us letters. We said it all. No, we, all right, I'd well. like to hear what people. <laughs> I'd like to hear what people do because, like, uh, like we said at the beginning of this, there there ought to be a lot more material out there than there is about this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if anybody has you know some of their favorite taverns that they've created for their games that they want to share, especially, I think that's a good thing to put up, or just you know good stories uh, that they'd like to share from their own. Adventures. I think this would be a great article uh, if Todd ever gets around to doing it, since he writes very well. So, true. Yeah, that's a good point. Good. We should suggest that to him. All well, right, Todd. I hope you're listening. There's a suggestion. <laughs> go for it, Todd. Woo, Todd. Anyway, let's go into our uh, adventure construction set segment. Construction. Yep, yep. All right, 
adventure construction set. This week is entitled The Artifact. So we were talking last week with our featured villain who has no name as of right now. is a druid. Druad. Druid. And uh, we were talking about he has some type of magical artifact. And we were calling it the Spear of Destiny for now. Okay. Kind of like the pick of destiny, you know, tenacious. Uh, <laughs> the fork yeah, of destiny. So, well, we'll probably want to come up with another name. That's a pretty loaded name in the real world. But yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's what we've got right now. We've got some type of a spear of destiny. So what what do we want to do with this? Do are we are we tying? I am not as familiar with the the actual book that we're basing this off of. You've used it more, so. Um, do we want to start building some of our storyline yet, or is this getting more of the uh, what is the artifact first? This is more of the what is the artifact, because then it can help okay, us yeah. get ideas off of why he want, why he has it and why the adventurers need to take it away from him. Okay, yeah, good. I, so there's two different ways you can kind of do a story. You can start yeah. with the uh, concept and build your items from that, or your items can actually inform your storyline. So we're yeah. doing that approach. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things I did just to kind of to get us just a jump off point, I, I is uh, I used the um, artifacts and relics powers tables out of uh, the DMG just to kind of give an idea, and I and I jotted some things down which I thought might this this particular item might mm-hmm. be in it, and I know uh, you know Vince had a couple ideas too, so yeah, good, good, go ahead, Nick. Let's hear what you what you got. Well. What I I did is I kind of like what if it's what's its purpose? Well, I, what I did is I looked at it, you know, maybe it has a couple of the prime powers. So I started kind of backwards on the table and started on table five, and I kind of read through and I thought which, you know, what would be, you know, uh, one, you know, what would be its major powers as far as like what's its purpose? And we're talking about this druid who's trying to bring balance mm-hmm. to everything. So I'm looking at what was it? Do, do, do. It is F, a death ray equal to a finger of death with no saving throw, one time a day. Hmm. Wow. So it, yeah. So it causes death. <laughs> and mm-hmm. on top of that, it also does monster summoning eight twice a day. So not only will it cause death, but you can also summon monsters with it too. The cause not only death but chaos and destruction. So that was one of the things I was kind of going with there. I'm like, this that is might definitely fit. definitely artifact level. Yeah. Yes, I was kind of thinking um, this. His spear was more of a you know a, a kind of a special artifact. He doesn't take into any battles, but he uses it to do things with it, and he would only touch it when he really needed it. As, as if he would yes. put it on like a pedestal and honor it rest of the rest of the time, because it's such a great artifact. A wondrous artifact. I was mm-hmm. thinking he had the ability of, uh, if you look at the medallion of thought projection, because Jason was talking how he could figure out how the, the lawful sides and the chaotic sides, the balance is uneven. He could read thoughts mm-hmm. and sense the thoughts and feelings of others. Maybe he can use yep. it for that. I was also thinking, since we were talking, saying he was sneaking in and out of areas, spying on people, some type of like shadow walk ability that he can do a couple times per day and and spy on certain people if he wanted to. Those would. Okay. Be, I was thinking of it more of a, just a like a destiny type, you know, prevention, not more of a battle type thing. 
Right. It's 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 this is an artifact that he's using for his, his yeah. big his big aims, his ruling of the and control of his area, not yeah. as you say to go fight somebody right. in a battle. It's a, it's a questing right. item for Right. That's why I was kind of like going with the idea of like you know, with the monster summoning also animal summoning from it. So creating minions basically for him to control, you know. Maybe some type of um Type of, type of influence or control power that he can do once a day and then he convince people to follow him while he's holding it or something. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It, it doesn't have to be in the book. It could be your own invention. It doesn't have to be from first edition, but it could be from a book you're reading on the side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you're creating here is the artifact that he's going to go to at certain moments. He doesn't yeah. carry it with him. No. He's and and a lot of the powers this artifact has are going to be powers that exist to keep people away from it. So that's where your monster summoning or animal summoning also comes in. This spear protects itself. I yeah. yeah. I, I also threw in uh, the the spear has like a side effect or a, maybe a curse you want to call it, but it has an aging yeah. property to it. So that it like it has like one of those mysterious mysteries with the spear of destiny. Anybody that uses it gains ten years every time they use it, or something like that. You know, that's actually a really good point. We're talking about the powers of it, but we should throw in some of the yeah. uh, the, the legend and lore around it, right? Because anything that really has a level of power, whether it's a monster or a baddie or an artifact, it's going to generate all of these stories that are way beyond even what it really does do. Yeah. So it ought to have a few stories that are sort of uh, red herrings. Well, yeah, you could say something like it was forged by the elves and the mountains with the dwarves together to keep balance in the world, and only they were able to control or something. You know, it could like even that. be, you know, like you were just saying, it's said that any time somebody touches it, they, they age 10 years if they wield its powers. And then the reality could be that it's doing something like uh, draining somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. May, maybe it drains. Constitution? Uh, constitution's a good, a temporary constitution drain. Yeah. I was uh, yeah. thinking of of life energy, like experience points. Mm. Um it should do something to keep not just to keep the uh the main baddie from using it all the time but also if the players do manage to get a hold of the artifact i think a good artifact should not be something that they can really use right in the campaign there should be that fear behind it as well yeah i got a feeling because of this guy you know being a druid he's trying to bring the balance back to things he's thinking there's too much good in the world I guess that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah, I I do think this artifact should be. I don't know why I was thinking about it, but maybe it was an evil artifact that was forged by, I don't know, uh, uh, clerics of Grumish, you know, the you know god of the orcs, Vecna. and it was used by them. I don't know. So maybe because of that, he's trying to bring balance. Like you know, I should use an evil artifact. And it's influenced <laughs> to bring balance back into the world. An evil so, artifact? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or at least the lore behind it, if you get my if you get yeah, my idea. Yeah, you know, forged by evil elves or something, dark elves in the caves where the sunlight was not, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Like Alright, so let's let's repeat it back. What what have we uh created as the artifact now? Alright, so we have stock projection. It has some type of shadow walk ability, so he can 
uh, sneak in and out of the shadows without detection and spy on people. We would limit that per day. Mm-hmm. Say maybe like twice or three times a day. The thought projection, we will probably limit that as well. Um, let's see. Uh, there's probably an aging curse on it, maybe. Or, um, okay, or so like Jason how said, about a, the different the different um, abilities that it has, the different powers that it has, have different debilitating uh, re, uh, 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 side effects. So okay. something really powerful, like you know, let's say like the death ray or something like that, would drain your constitution for the day, mm-hmm. or even lose you some experience points. Um, whereas maybe something like the shadow walk has less of a of a, uh, a negative effect, but still should have some. I would think the thought projection maybe would hit your intelligence or wisdom, maybe. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So the no, thought was projection... Also... Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. I was just thinking another thing to kind of just show how kind of twisted this this uh, item is. You get animate dead several times, you know, maybe six, several, seven times a week. You know? I don't know if I'd see the druid going the anime dead way. You, Jason? It's hard to say. I mean, it doesn't mean that the druid would ever use it. It could just... Because he didn't create this artifact. He came about it in some way. So that could be something that he knows is in there, but he also knows that... uh, Well, first of all, it would have a real debilitating effect because I think that the power that the the spear draws, obviously it's drawing it from all of the... uh, uh, other planes and the way that magic works, but some of that power has to go, let's say, through the wielder. So if you're animating dead, um, I think that's a there's a really good one to have some kind of a uh, a level drain effect on you, essentially sure. as if as if you had to uh, put some power into them to make it happen. So it would be a real real last resort. Mm. I'm kind okay. of thinking this is matching the whole Star Wars going to the dark side when you know. Can become twisted and tainted and stuff like that. Yes, or you his know, mind it, has now become twisted and evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if 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 he uses this too much, it's going to have an effect on him. Maybe disfigurement. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's really good one. disfigurement. Every time he Ooh, does a shadow good. walk, every time he does a shadow walk, a little bit of the uh, the shadows go into him. You know, so so things are happening to yeah. his skin to just a little bit each time, but it right. builds up over time. It's so getting closer and closer to the plane of shadow. Another one I'm thinking of, every time he uses it, the desire for people or anybody to maybe bow down to him, to kowtow to him, becomes more and more. He desires more power and more you admonishment. Know, it's, it, it's good because what we're doing now is we're getting to a storyline where it might not be so much about the druid that's causing the trouble but just the fact that he's been using this artifact that the artifact is starting to be more in control than he is right ooh an intelligent weapon as well or intelligence oh theory. yeah oh maybe it's possessed <laughs> yeah or, maybe it's know? got something trapped inside it maybe an extra planar creature Maybe something that has some type of an enmity with the very concept of druids and and the neutral alignments, but hasn't made its own uh, agenda known to the druid. Ooh, that's yeah. good. Slowly convincing the druid this is the way to go, my friend. So oh, that yeah. at the, so that at the end of this adventure, if you're doing everything right, 
well, we don't want we don't want to have the grand uh, showdown with the druid. But I was just thinking something along the lines of instead of trying to vanquish the druid, at some point the players are almost trying to save him. But maybe that's for a, for a future adventure. <clears throat> I was also thinking with the with the thought projection, he can also taunt the characters when they're alone at night. He can speak to them and. They can be like, ooh, who is this magical voice saying, listen to me, <laughs> my friend, I am here to help you, or something like that. Something, 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 something dark side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something Perfect. Like that. I, think we've got a gr- I think we've got a great artifact on, on, the, uh, on, on, on the shelf now. So the artifact is almost acting like Palpatine, oh, in a way. Yes, come to the dark side, you love us, we have cookies. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to watch this movie you guys are talking about sometime. What was it, Starfighter? Yeah, the last Space, Starfighter Space and um, Space Wars. I'll watch it. Sometime. Actually, what you should watch is the Blue Harvest Family Guy Star Wars. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, let let's end this for this week, and we'll come back to Adventure Construction Set another time. We'll let people feed on this and see what they have to say. RFI staff at gmail dot com. The Dragon's Horde. Dragon's Horde. Dragon's Horde. All right, bad song. Um, what do we got this week, Nick? Yes, this week on the Dragon's Horde, we have the Rod of Lordly <laughs> Might, or as I like to call it, the Swiss Army Magic Item. So, because <laughs> it kind of is. It's like the Swiss Army. Knife of D and D in a way. No, it's it great. Has, the different thing. It's, it's you actually push buttons. It, thank you. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, love this every item. time I see this, I imagine it exactly what you're talking about. You push a button. Pa-ching, pa-ching, yep. Pa-ching, yo, here comes the mace. Here comes the battle axe. Here comes the sword of flame. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it's love a it. cool magic item, and it to me, if it's one of those magic items your player cat gets, the player character gets. Never wants to let go of it because it does so many different things. Um, it's usually made I, out of metal, and um, there's a flange ball on the end. You have to have a strength of sixteen or better to wield it. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, you're not going to have lordly might if you're some sort of winkling that gets sand kicked in your face, right? <laughs> um, some of the functions it has, uh, and they drain one charge. Paralyzation upon touch, fear for, uh, upon all enemies viewing the wielder in six, uh, 60 feet maximum range, or drain two to eight hit points from the opponent touched. That was a and and bestow was, them. And bestow them upon the wielder. Yes. 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 And uh, the other functions, you got a plus two mace, the plus one sword of flame, the plus four battle axe, and the plus three spear. <laughs> <laughs> so it could turn. It's basically four weapons right there, right? Uh, with I mean, the we, we, got, we got to describe it though. I mean, I, I love the description for this. So it's a plus two mace. So as you've it. got as yeah. is the plus, plus one sword of flame. When you press the first button, a blade springs forth from the ball, which becomes the hilt, while the handle shortens the weapon to an overall length of three feet. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to think about that. Are you are you flipping it around? Are you? I mean, what does this even do? Are you using weapon speed in your game? Because if you're using weapon speed, what does that even do to it? <laughs> uh, I don't even want to go think about that. Then, plus four battle axe when button two is pushed, 
the blade the blade springs forth at the ball, and the whole length, the whole thing lengthens to uh, four feet length. Mm-hmm. And then you have the plus three spear when you press button three. And that one, the sword blade springs forth, and the handle could be lengthened up to twelve feet for an overall length from six inch mini- uh, six feet minimum to fifteen feet maximum. Careful, you almost had a spinal tap moment there. Yes. <laughs> Stonehenge, you said it was this Stonehenge. <laughs> the Druids. And right these now, I, here's yeah, the thing about those those functions. All four uh weapons that come out, they do not use charges. And it gets better. It oh, gets it be- gets better. What wait because, there's I mean, more. <laughs> but we need Ron Popeil for this. So First of all, how many times have you been in a dungeon and you need a 10-foot pole, but some DM pointed out helpfully that you can't really carry a 10-foot pole in your backpack without hitting everybody. Now you've got the Rod of Lordly Lordly Might with the climbing pole. Just press button number four and a spike, which can anchor to granite, is extruded from the butt while the tip sprouts three sharp hooks. The rod lengthens five feet per segment until button four is pushed again. Did you say you wanted a ten-foot pole? How about a fifty-foot pole? Whoa. That's, That's right. right. Fifty-foot pole. What are you going to do with that? Yep, <laughs> and, and then the horizontal bars come out one mm-hmm. feet apart, three-inch length, and it can hold up to 4,000 pounds. Jeez. Six magnetic north. will indicate magnetic north and give so it's a compass basically. Oh yeah. yes, a compass. And, well, and it also get this and the possessor a knowledge of approximate depth beneath the surface or height above it, if you're where he or she is. So if you don't have any dwarves with you, at least yep. you got the rod of lordly might. Also, this functions as a really good door opener. The same function when you do the climbing pole. <laughs> that's right, it's multifunctional, folks. The same function will force open doors if the rod's base is planted 30 feet or less from the portal to be forced and is in line with it. The force exerted, get this, is equal to storm giant strength. So, you know, I get the feeling that when this was created, that Gary went, that somebody said, Gary, can I make a magic item? Can I have one? Can I make one? And, and they said, yes, but you can only make one. So pick carefully, because I'm only letting you make one. <laughs> and this and was it. <laughs> he's like, I put everything in. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Gary went, I, I, all right. <laughs> yeah. Went, okay. I've, never, I've never put one of these in my campaign, because honestly, it just feels like what? I, I just felt like it would, it would just be too much of a Swiss Army knife, honestly. Well, just think of the possibilities, what you can do. Now, say this thing is laying on a dungeon room floor, and your players come up to this... Is there a certain way to hold it? Because it doesn't say that, obviously. Now, say the players see this with the buttons on, and they go, ooh, what's this do? The sword comes out, hits them right in the face. (laughs) Well, or their buddy is standing across the way, they hit that button, and they accidentally stab their friend. (laughs) Ten feet across the room. Yeah. Or 40 feet across the room. (laughs) What the heck? You just killed Bob. Yeah, you know, you're right. (laughs) If you've got really experienced players, you probably need to oh. uh, change what it looks like a bit, change them from rods to switches, or in, or I mean from buttons to switches, or maybe even make them rings that you have to turn and rotate to make it happen, sure. something so they don't spot it right away. Oh, just think of this, it'd be cool, since it's buttons and it's like a roundish, 
why mm-hmm. not there's like a whole group of goblins just rolling on the ground towards them and it hits all the buttons and things fly out and start attacking. So it's jumping all over the place, it goes nuts. And just starts attacking things randomly because it's just buttons are being pushed as it's rolling. You know, maybe it, they don't say, it's not said here um, whether the, uh, the things that it does are mechanical or magical. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, or some mixture of both. But I would probably, now that we're thinking about it, I would probably make it mechanical so at least there was a chance of failure. Mm. So maybe the more you use it, I mean, I know it's got the charges and everything, but the thing is that the buttons for pulling out all of your different uh, slicers and dicers and, and peelers don't use any charges. So at the very least, I would start having it over time require some kind of maintenance. Well, you know, even when it's done, like when if it's all the charges are gone, it still can function as a plus two mace or a plus three spear. It says it right yeah. in the description, which even then when it's quote unquote well, all drained, you can still use it as a spear or a mace, which is not too bad. Well, no, hold on, hold on. It says when it, when the charges are so, oh, I see. So two of the weapon uses do stop when the charges stop. Yeah, functions but, two and three. The sword of flame and the battle axe don't uh, work anymore. I tell you, if if there's one thing I really want to see from our listeners, I want to know if there's somebody out there who's enough of a builder. Mm-hmm. Build one of these. I, I, I was see just thinking that. I was just oh, I was just thinking that like an actual prop. Yeah, I want to I want to see it. some there must be somebody who's working down in LA right now making props for movies and they're bored, they need another project. Do this on your spare time. I don't even know what we could offer as a, a t-shirt's not enough. You can come and you can host the darn show for a week or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. There are some people listening to the show, I think, that have some pretty good connections in the film business that are listening right now, and you know who you are. <laughs> I will not drop any names, but... <laughs> if you can make a 3D version just to just to see it work on a screen, I will give a t-shirt for that. Absolutely. Yeah, that I, will buy, awesome. I will and, buy you a t-shirt. And an app. And you know and what? I will buy I you a t-shirt and like, an app. You know what would be really cool? Even for, like, uh, for the game, maybe there's like different variants of this thing. You know, maybe yeah. one version doesn't have the sword of flame. Maybe it has, uh, you know, plus one sword versus trolls or something like that that springs out or something like that. It'd be cool, like different variants of this rod of lordly might. Yeah. So, you know, well, maybe if it's something that a particularly strong thief picks up and starts using, maybe his variant that he doesn't know about is that one of the buttons is a singing sword. Oh, remember the singing sword, yes. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, Jason... We're you... walking very stealthily. We're not making any noise. <laughs> that was funny when we talked about that, yeah. That was episode, uh, like, three or four, I believe it was. Yeah. I'm not right. sure, but if I had the iPhone app in front of me right now, I could check the show notes and just listen to it. Ooh, Jason, plug in the iPhone. Anyway, um, (laughs) I was thinking how you said maintenance. Maybe you would bring it to like a gnoming. There'd be a quest to go to a gnoming uh, village and you have to bring it to the gnomes and they have to tinker with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And don't accidentally go to the uh, gremlins. They'll tinker the wrong way. Bad, 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 bad joke. Anyway... (laughs) Tell us how you use it. Go to our forums, rfipodcast.com. We have our little forums in there. We want to hear more feedback in the forums. Uh, dragonsfoot.org. 
and rfistaff at gmail.com. Okay, creature feature. Looks like I'm going to take the reins again. One time. So that'll even it out. Everybody will have done it at least twice now. Yay! So we're picking up on... since uh, I'm going with the, the whole Nick theme of using your... I hear dice already. <laughs> yeah, you hear them flying out of the bag and hitting the table because I just dropped the bag. We're going to uh, pick up on the characters we used the last time, our level three adventurers who met up with the crypt thing. Uh, yep. Do you want to refresh the memories, Who? what the name of your character was, guys? Yeah. Um, this is Nick here, and I'm playing Mathis. He's a human fighter, third oh. level. Okay. And let's see. Yeah, chaotic good, plus one sword, and ringmail, shield plus one. Okay, great. And uh, Jason, your character real quick? Yes, I've got Tomas the Dwarven Cleric. <laughs> what, you want more? <laughs> we heard people saying on the forums... I know, I know. I, I just... too much about the characters. I didn't feel like going into it anymore. I Tomas pa- is a Dwarven Cleric. I paused for dramatic okay. laughs. <laughs> All right, so you guys last crawled out of the crypt, running away from the crypt thing... Uh, no, you do not have horses. You had a buggy and cart, I decided. And Jason, your character, not liking horses, jumped on the cart. Nick, jumping on the horse, flying out of there, heading towards the mountains, because remember you had a map from a little old man that you beat up. Mm-hmm. And it became, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the rain finally stopped. It became nighttime. You picked up, you made a camp near the mountainside. You found a nice little area to relax and rest. And it's now probably about 2 in the morning. Jason, you are on watch right now, sitting in front of the fire, Tending to it and sitting mm-hmm. there in complete silence. All right, that is exactly what I'm doing: staring at the fire in silence. I didn't say you were silent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so I, I, I'm on watch, and yes. and and Matthias is asleep. Yes, you can hear him snoring in the background. <laughs> I didn't say Shemp was here. <laughs> Fasc- fascinating. All right. So, uh... You're patrolling around. You decide to get up and start patrolling around, and in the bushes near you, towards the mountainside, you hear a little rustling. Hmm, okay. Uh, I am going to... Is, how how far away from the fire am I right now? Uh, you're, you're actually probably right at the fire, because you just started your watch maybe about a half hour ago, so you were trying to keep warm. Okay, well, I'm going to step far enough away from the fire that my infravision can help me uh, detect what the was uh, making that rustling sound. Excellent. You uh, step far enough out of the vision to look in there and you do not see anything, but you do see a heat signature that something was there. Something was there. About how big? Ooh, very big. Probably about six, seven, eight feet. (gasps) Okay. So so I'm going to listen. I'm going to stop and listen very closely for a moment. You stop and listen for really closely for a moment. You start hearing scurrying sounds in the sand and dirt on the mountainside. Mm. All right, I will rush over and awaken Matthias. All right, you kick Matthias in the gut and he wakes up. Uh, 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 football <laughs> practice. <laughs> Five more minutes, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and he, he alerts you saying there's some sounds on the mountainside to get ready. We might be being under attack. We don't know. Okay, I, I grab my gear and... Sword at the ready. Okay. Okay. So what do you guys um, do? 
Well, the first thing I'm going to do is to... This is a bit of a theme, but I'm going to detect evil and and turn around in a 360 radius, seeing if I can detect evil anywhere. Okay. You um, actually, after spinning around... Mm-hmm. Twirling and doing you detect evil all around you. What the deuce? You hear more three hundred sixty sc- degrees of oh, evil. Oh yes, you Not hear good. scurrying noises up further up on the mountainside, and you see some rocks tumbling down. And when you're, with your infravision, infrared mm-hmm. vision, you can see there was a heat signature just there recently on the hop, on one of the mountainsides. But the rocks didn't throw at us. They sort of just scrambled no, on down. It's like us, if right? someone was climbing the mountain, you know how sometimes loose rocks tumble down? Okay. Okay. You, gotcha. you look further, Jason, when you get closer to the mountain, and you see the signature just disappears at one point wow. on the mountain. Hmm. Okay. So we, I, as we spin around, I only really hear, I mean, I only really uh, I hear the noise, and then something's gone. There's, there's no chance to see anything. No, it, um, you hear the noise, you look up, you see the signature, you're like, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, Matthias, do you have any kind of a uh, ranged weapon, a bow and arrow or a sling? I only have my uh, trusty sword. Okay. Uh, I wonder if it'd be possible to just... I was going to try to cast Continual Light on something and throw it up that way to try to kind of... Uh, give us a better view, but I guess we have no way to throw anything up that far. Mm. Is there, if there's plenty of rocks around, I'll throw a rock at it. I don't know. Alright, well, pick a rock that you think that you can uh, heave that far, and I will... Um, actually, pick, if I cl- cast Continual Light, if I do that on... on a, is, I, I'm not familiar enough with this spell, if I can actually put it on like a, a pile of rocks or something. I would think you Probably. could put it on a rock if you want to throw it on a rock. It says, I think it says one item, but I don't believe it's any particular Let's go item. for it, one item. Let's let's uh, okay. pick a rock that he can heave in the right place, but wait a moment to see if there's any pattern to where these sounds are coming from. They seem to be appearing and disappearing. All right, sure. so you heave the rock in the d- direction you saw the heat signature. It bounces off the general area where you threw it and starts rolling back down towards you, but you do not see anything. Hmm. Okay. A couple more Well, it sounds like fall. there's nothing here. We should go back to sleep. <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. You but sh- there's evil all around us, if you recall. You did detect evil, and there's, like, evil well, all around us. There's that. <laughs> yeah. That that kind of, you know, ring bells off in my head when I hear things like that. Just Are, saying. Yes. To further <laughs> help you out here, the evil's coming more from the mountainside. Hmm. I think more we should from- check that out. The heat signature uh, is slowly yeah. fading away, Jason. Sorry? The heat signature is slowly fading away now as you're looking up that way. Okay. Um, we're going to take one turn for me to do a chant, and then we'll head off in that direction. Okay. What are you chanting? Well, I'm, I'm actually doing the spell chant. Oh, okay. And Yes, yes. Just, just to... Just to uh, help us out with our, our uh, saving throws and attacks and such. Gotcha. So we've got to... We, yeah, so we've got, we've got all of our uh, saving throws, all of our damage, all of our attacks are going to be plus one. All of our enemies will be minus one. All right, so uh, describe exactly, since we're not playing face-to-face and we have no miniatures, how you guys are going up the mountain side-by-side, single file, one person five foot in front of the other person. You know, how are we doing this? 
Just side by side, don't you think? Yeah, side by side sounds like the best way. All right, so you guys are climbing up the mountain. It's not really much of a climb. It's kind of like a steep hill, so you're you're trucking up there. You're trucking Mm -hmm. up there, and I want you both, whichever one of you guys, to roll a d6. Go ahead. All right, I'll roll it. And tell me what you get. I got a six. All right, uh, I rolled a one, which this particular... Monster gets to surprise you guys, so he gets to attack first. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys are, are walking up the mountain, you hear like some crumbling rocks, and you both freeze up, and you look around, and... All right, I'm going to do a roll D4 here. Jason, you're 1, 2. Nick, you're 3, 4. Okay. Oh, Nick, darn. <laughs> oh, Mathis is attacked. All of a sudden, Jason, you turn and look to your right, and you see this giant multi-legged creature come out of the, like, the rock in the ground, falls down, and he comes flying out and grabs Nick. Ah. Let's, let's see if he can actually ah. grapple Nick. Oh, you need me to do what? I'm sorry? I'm trying to grapple you. Are you rolling on your grapple tables? No, I'm rolling nice. here on this. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, grappling. Uh, D20? Yeah. Okay. 20! No, you you don't have to roll for it. Oh, okay. But you're not grap you're not rolling for your own grappling? No. I have to score a successful to hit. And he hits you and he's okay. going to do two points of damage. Ouch. He has another attack. And he hits you again with another two points of damage and he has you in his grasp. Ow. What's what kind of a grasp? Is he grabbing with his teeth? Is he like a worm? He's using. Is he like he, a... He's using. He, you get a closer look at him, and he looks like a giant spider type creature. Ugh, multi-legged. Uh-huh. He said six legs. Kind of like a kind, but not ex- oh, okay. Not exactly a spider, huh? Hmm. Okay. Well, hmm. are my arms pinned? Uh, you are pinned, and you actually right now you get a negative four to any chance to hit. If you want to break it, you got to do successful Ben Bar's lift gates to get out of it. Okay, when it comes to our initiative, that's what I'm going to try and to now do. And now we will, we will roll initiative, because now everybody knows where everybody is. Okay, <laughs> since I blew the, 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 the other roll, why don't you go for it, Jason? Okay, so uh, do you want us to do our, com- our, our, our actions before we roll for initiative? Oh, yeah, tell me what you're doing. Sorry. So uh, I'm going to be casting command All right. on the creature. And I'm going to do the attempt of Ben Bar's lift gates, I think. I got a 13%. So. Uh, Hopefully this... I'll be okay because it's only one segment. Hopefully I won't get attacked. Okay. Ooh. We just rolled a six for initiative. Go! Oh! I rolled a six as well. <laughs> you did? Yes, I did. Okay. So I'm just going to say that since you're the players, I'm going to let you go first. All right. All right, then. So let's so see what happens. You're casting command on the creature? Yes. Uh, I'm going to command... My, my one-word command will be release. Okay. Uh, now, does that affect certain hit dice creatures? I believe it does. Uh, so it's it's uh, creatures with intelligence or of 13 or more or with six or more hit dice get a saving throw. All right. So this one will get a saving throw. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I'm rolling the saving throw right now, looking on the chart. Saving throw versus magic. Okay, thank you very much. Saving throw versus magic, looking on the chart. Please okay. Fail, please fail, please fail. <laughs> Jason <laughs> extends his hand and he says, Release! 
and you just hear kind of a chuckle out of the creature. <laughs> oh, it's a creature with a sense of humor. That's good. That's yeah, cool. yeah, we yeah. might well, have something like, here. We might have goody, something goody. here. <laughs> and he, you actually hear like a growl of fool. Ooh, and he talks. Yeah, and now obviously we could parlay. Yes, and Nick, now it is your chance to move. Go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, I said I was going to do Ben Barr's lift gates. Okay. Dang it! You missed? I rolled a... Th- <laughs> 13%, I rolled a 15. Oh! Almost out. Duh. Duh. All right, well, he attacks Nick again since he has it in the grasp. And uh, he hits. And you take three points of damage. Oh, Oh, gosh. Um, yes. Okay. Are you taking the minus one because of our chant? Oh, yeah. That doesn't matter. He's still hit anyway. Okay. Just making sure so, you remember. Thank you for reminding me about that. So I can when I do the next attack. And he hits Actually, one more time. One, more, one yeah. more thing. That saving throw, was he by any chance only one off? Because he also gets a penalty to saving throws. No, he wasn't one off. Ah, okay. <laughs> Nick, oh... You take eight points of damage. Seven. Ow, ow, ow. Sorry, seven points because you get minus one, Jason said. (laughs) This is my favorite part of all all games, the players that are interjecting with this chunk. Mathis has four hit points left. Mathis actually is slowly phasing in and out of consciousness because he's getting closer to zero. And you look up and you get a good look at the creature and it has kind of a goblinoid type face to it and very hairy. Six legs and a hairy goblinoid face. Yes. Hmm. Well, Nick, you really... Uh, Nick, uh, Jason, you really can't see that because it is still kind of dark. Nick can see it because well, it's right in his face. Yeah, because it's see a you know, thing. chewing my face off. And uh, <laughs> now we're going to the next round, so we're going to roll initiative again. Actually, uh, tell me what you're doing first. It, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's at this point, one. I am... I, I don't remember if... Oh, there's, there's a club, my plus one club. I am rushing the monster to hit him in the face with my cl- plus one club. Okay, and Nick? Um, can I get my weapon and try to attack, or... What do you have? Um, you just, I have the longsword. Mm, no, if you, do you have a dagger? I would assume everybody has a dagger. Um, yeah. Alright, you can use your dagger, but it'll be a negative four to hit. Alright, I might as well... Well, I could guess I can try to hit. Tell me what armor class you hit. Okay, well, I, let me roll initiative. I rolled a one! Oh, nice. Well done. And I rolled a three, so that means you guys get to go first again. Okay. And you want to start with Nick this time, since he wants to stab. I hope I can hit this thing. And he's right there, so that's a quick action. Well, I rolled a 17 plus one from the chan is 18 minus four, 14. And that hits armor class of... No. Armor class is four. That would hit armor class four. Oh, then you hit the creature. Do your damage. Yay! Excellent. So I do a, what, D4, all right, for a dagger? Yes. Four points plus one uh, for damage. So, and the chant, six points. Nice. Stabby. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason, you're rushing over, bashing it in the head. Go for it. Armor class of four, obviously. Please hit okay. it. Okay. Um, are we doing critical fumbles? Yes, I always do critical fumbles. <laughs> Because I rolled a natural one. Oh, oh man. <laughs> the warrior is about to die. Doo-doo, doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you turn to your left as you stab the creature. Ha-ha! And you go, 
uh, what was his name? Tomas. Tomas, help me! And you Swack. see him grab his club, and he runs over. He trips over a rock <laughs> and goes flying, and his club hits the ground. And actually, he conks his head on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and his club goes rolling down the hill, and he goes, oh, darn. <laughs> the oh, creature, darn. actually, looking at both of you, starts laughing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> laughing enough that, Nick, he actually loosens his grip on you a little bit, so... <laughs> He's applause, still, applause. He's still going to attack you, though. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to die. he misses on the first attack. Uh-oh. And the second uh. attack he hits, unfortunately. Ooh, and he much? does... Ooh, four points of damage. I'm at zero. I'm out. You hear Nick go... <sighs> and slowly... Math is out. Tomas, uh, you are on the ground, but we're going to yes, roll initiative again. Okay. Actually, tell me what you're going to do first. I keep forgetting to do that. Uh, gee, I don't know if I'm going to scramble for my weapon or if I'm going to try to uh, cast one of the few remaining spells that I have. This is really using up my spells for the day. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to scramble for my for my weapon at this point because most of the stuff that I've prepared are things along the lines of slow poison, which doesn't seem to matter right now. <laughs> no. So I'm scra- I'm scrambling for my club, and if if there's time, I will try to get back and, and bash him again. All right, the creature is going to uh, drop off of Nick and charge at you. So Excellent. roll for initiative. Okay. I got a four. I got a four. All right, I'll give it to you again. Okay. You. Um, well, I mean, I'll probably lose the initiative since I'm actually having to go get the darn club before I can use it. Exactly. You run down the hill, you grab your club, and that's pretty much your action. Are you, I'm using up the whole round with that? Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much because you have to run down the hill to go grab it. I'll just, just lie there bleeding, thank you. Nick lies there <laughs> bleeding. The creature... Declare your action. Bleed. <laughs> I bleed. The creature dives bleed. through the air. Jason, what was your armor class again? Uh, negative... No, I'm sure it's not even a negative nothing. It's uh, Where's my armor class? I think you're oh. AC5. Five? Okay. You know what? Yeah, I hadn't worked it out. It's Five sounds right. I've, I've, just, I've got ring mail and no dexterity adjustment. Oh, yikes. The creature, creature rolls a one. <laughs> All right. The creature running down the hill after Jason trips over the same rock that Jason knocked down the hill when he tripped over and goes flying over your head, tumbling down the mountainside. I like that boulder. That's Taking, a nice boulder. <laughs> probably about 20, 30 feet, he falls down, tumbling down the mountain. He takes a bunch of damage and he lays there limp for a little while and then finally starts moving around. And then just, you see him disappear into the mountainside. I wouldn't be any kind of a cleric if I wasn't going over to do a bit of uh, cure light wounds at the moment, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, you may freely actually go do that because you... I'm not quite dead. (laughs) You see the threat is over. (laughs) I feel better. (laughs) I want to go for a walk. The threat is over, so you walk over, you you cast light wounds on him. Air, speed its travel well. Fire, get a spirit from above. Water, quench my spell with love. And Nick, you, your eyes pop open. Ugh. And you see, instead of an ugly spider, you see an ugly dwarf invasion in your face. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so anybody guess what this creature is? I gosh. No I'm, I have I, no idea. I was going to say cave fisher, but that doesn't sound right. I have no idea. You got me. All right, well, if you flip open your Oriental Adventures... 
Oh, oh. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. And you look up Goblin Spider. Ooh. There is your monster. I'll be I actually, I actually said the name of it when I described it, which I shouldn't have, but figured what the hell. I'd even so, catch it. So next week we will actually give a we'll 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 uh, review exactly what it was that went on here. We'll go into a little detail on this per our listener's suggestion. Yeah, so we'll leave it at that. We'll let you guys uh, flip open to page one twenty one in your Oriental Adventures, and you guys can write in like Jason said and tell me how a turn is worked out because I oh, would love to hear those Jonathan. nasty emails. So. He's a nasty little mama jama, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's yeah, pretty, like he's pretty clever, isn't he? Ooh. I didn't use one of the things, but we'll, we'll, uh, never mind. We'll talk about that next week. Anyway, that'll end the creature feature for this time, and we will head into the uh, the out. Ooh, one of those electronic voting dealies. <laughs> All right, so. Looks My like character we... almost died. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get experience? Two. <laughs> Yay! Hey, get those experience points where you can, right? Exactly. So, all right. So, last show, we challenged the listeners to see who's right, Jason or Nick. That, well, that's not exactly. Are, 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 are we back on the poll again? Yeah, actually, we wanted to. Because we... I think it was very fair that Nick wanted to run the poll a little bit longer because we really did need to get a compl- you know, get more votes. You yes. know, let's, let's make sure this is absolutely right. And Jason has won far beyond possibilities. And oh, did I? Yes, you did. <laughs> Should I, think... I go ahead and read it off what we got for the uh, yeah. for the votes? Go ahead. Well, yeah. So here we go on the you know which creatures you think should be affected by animal friendship, either the ring or the spell. Now, with fifty-five percent of the votes, and that's twenty-four votes total on that. All creatures with animal intelligence and neutral alignment. So that's the winner. Um, so they said Jason with, was right then. Well, yeah. Thirty-four percent with fifteen votes is just real animals, but things like fire lizards are okay. So that was thirty-four percent, and eleven percent of the votes only creatures that are real animals that have existed on Earth. So. All right. So I mean, you know what? In the Supreme Court, this would have been a five-four decision. Yeah, so I think pretty much. I, yeah. So you, the dissenting opinion is still pretty reasonable. Uh, I, I can I can see the argument for it, which is very easy for me to be magnanimous about because I won. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, do your little happy dance. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to see actual video of the happy dance, Jason will be glad to put it up on rnfipodcast.com. Please write in. Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll just, just send oh. it viral. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, what do we have here? Oh, uh, the Skype game, Jason. You want to talk about that before we get out of here? Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, let's see. Depending on what day this podcast goes up, we may be doing the Skype game tonight, if this is Wednesday, or tomorrow, if this is Tuesday. We're going to be... Uh, on, on the lead-up to Gen Con, to give me a little bit of a, uh, a warm-up run-through for the adventure that I'm going to be DMing at Gen Con, uh, we'll be doing a one-off adventure. So uh, doing it Wednesday night from uh, 7 to 10 Eastern and uh, Saturday afternoon from 1 to 4. And uh, it should be pretty fun. I'm actually going to try out, at the suggestion of more than one person, uh, I'm going to try out a little thing called rptools.net. And uh, they have, yeah, they have a thing called Map Tool, 
Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, if I can figure this out, if it looks straightforward enough, I mean, if it turns out to be too convoluted, we won't do this. But never let it said that be said that we are Luddites. Um, what we're going to be doing is uh, I will be hosting the game over Skype, just over audio, not video, because we can't do yeah, conference you, video. Can't do multiple conference videos unless you go no. to uh, Ustream. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I might be using Acrobat Connect, which is sort of a uh, web meeting or, software. Yeah, so Google. there's a possibility if everybody's got cameras and they want to do it, we may, we may put that into the mix. And uh, we're going to give a try to this rptools.net uh, tool, which essentially is a map tool that lets me display the map for all the people and uh, mm. put in some fog of war, so to speak, so they can't see things they're not supposed to see. Oh, that's uh, and we'll cool. Give it, yeah. Well, it's we'll also, give it a try. It looks cool. Uh, also, to add to your list of looking through software, Jason, mm-hmm. in case you have problems with map tools, which is excellent, excellent, but uh, just in case, there's OpenRPG. OpenRPG. I'm writing it down now. It okay. actually has the same functions as Map Tool. Well, maybe not as advanced, but it has the Fog of War type thing, and it has the chat mm-hmm. room so you can whisper to people. Uh, and you don't need to host it on your own computer. You can actually go through their servers and stuff. And there's something called Gamer's Table. Oh, yeah, I think I've heard of that one, too. That one is pretty solid, like Map Tools. It has a little more function, and it actually is very fun. Okay. And there is also a program called, which is really cool, but you, you have to pay for it, Fantasy Grounds 2. I've heard of it, yeah. Excellent, excellent cool. software. I actually got a chance to demo it a while back, and uh, I had a lot of fun because the dice actions are really cool, and the amount of things you can do, play sounds, and it's mm-hmm. really cool. So it's really worth an investment. A lot of money, but it's well, worth you know, the investment. Get, get all these links up on... Uh yeah, yeah, I'll put them send, up. Send, send them to me for the show notes, and I'll try to be good about putting those in right away. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, sure. All right, and I'll try and, to get another... Uh, get... Who knows, maybe, not not this time around, but, but maybe in a future game, I will actually use my Dragonfire 2 DM's assistant on my Apple II during the game. All right, so then we got that. As far as the actual play podcast we talked about, I think we're going to wait till after Gen Con for that, so we can arrange a perfect schedule for all of us. Right. Yeah, gonna figure out. Well, part of you know, we'll see if any of the people from this one-off are uh, players that might be appropriate to to bring over to that. We'll we'll figure out who the party's gonna be at some point. Yes, exactly. All right, and uh, we'll try to stick up a new poll so you guys can start voting on it, so we can talk about it. I'll get cracking on that for my little job. Yes. Okay. And that's gonna lead us off. And happy trails, everybody. And uh, don't forget to listen to the Chronicles of Something Something or Other. Yes. Please send your healing potions to Mathis.com. He needs some healing big time. Don't actually go to Mathis.com because we don't know where that actually leads. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kids, ask your parents to go to Mathis.com first and see if it's right for you. Yes. and uh, Oh, actually, I'd like to congratulate the Power Source on D20 Radio for getting an Ennies uh, nomination for the Podcast Awards. Congratulations, hey, guys. congratulations. Uh, yes, go, congrats. Uh, go to the any, any Awards. I think it's anyawards.com, and you can vote for them because they're part of the D20 Radio Network. We want them to win the the gold. So uh, congratulations, yes. guys, and uh, good luck. We're going to say goodnight tonight. Uh, this is DM Vince signing off from Jason. Have a great night. Keep it original, keep it old school, and keep it funny. Bye, everyone. Good night. Roll for initiative.